Hey, all, we need your help. We're hoping to raise $10,000 over the next few months to help cover the costs of a few current and upcoming projects. These include, but are not limited to, a complete redesign of our logo and design work for merchandise with our soon-to-be-announced store. Your donations will also be tax-deductible as we've just turned in the paperwork towards becoming an official nonprofit. Any amount is immensely helpful and we'll personally email each donor a thank you. Absolutely everything we do on this show is to make sure the gospel is heard throughout the world and the barrier of entry into confessional reform theology is as low as possible. So go to our show notes and click the link that says donor box at the top of the page and donate. Now on with the show. And there's the, the life part, right? You know, I've come that they may have life. Yeah, life and, in the sun. And, yep. And have it mm-hmm. and have it abundantly. So I sometimes talk about, you know, that the salvation from there's what yep. you've been saved out of, there's what you've been saved from. Yep. But there's also salvation for. Yeah, exactly. Yep. What 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 has God saved you for? Well, he 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 saved you for life. Um, and 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 this is what it this is what it looks like. You know, this is the essence of the life of the age to come. Welcome to the Guilt Grace Gratitude Podcast, a show devoted to bridging the gap to the historic Reformed Christian faith. Listen in as two friends, a layman Nick and a pastor Peter discuss the newest and best books in the broader Christian tradition with some of the most respected seminary and college professors, pastors, theologians, authors, and more. We hope these book club episodes introduce solid theological works to those who want to read but don't know where to start or who to trust. You'll be introduced to authors you know and many others you don't from various theological traditions, but all under the broader tent of our shared creedal tradition. All of these authors and books help us to do the same thing. They remind us of how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything. Hello, everyone. Yet once again, it's another day of fresh grace and mercy. This is the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast sponsored by Logos Bible Software, where we bridge the gap to Reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. Today, we're doing a book club episode with Clive Bauscher. He wrote a book within the uh, within the NSBT series, which is the New Studies in Biblical Theology series published by InterVarsity Press, IVP Press, and the series editor is D.A. Carson. So we're going to be having a conversation with Clive Bauscher, and the title of his book within this series is Life in the Sun exploring participation and union with Christ in John's gospel and letters. Uh, There is an endorsement for his book from one of our previous guests. I would like to read. Um, It was from Stephen Wellam and he wrote this about uh, Clive's book. Given that union with Christ is central to how Christ's work becomes ours and given the diverse interpretations of it in theology, we need to return anew to scripture to grasp 
properly this glorious truth. In gr this groundbreaking work, Clive Bauscher does precisely this. He offers careful biblical and the theological reasoning that clarifies what union with Christ is, and as such, we are indebted to him. This work is essential reading for understanding and glorying in what it means to be united with, to Christ and thus to be in covenant relationship with our triune creator, redeemer, and Lord. And so if you guys go to our show notes, there is a link to IVB, IVP <laughs> Press, and uh, it'll take you right to uh, the NSBT series to this book so you can get that for yourself. Um, there's also just uh, other links and resources for you guys, how to communicate with us, how to find us. Um, these conversations are also on YouTube, so you can find us there. And then also, if you need to find a church to call home and you, you're not part of a church yet, there's a local church finder to find a Reformed or Confessional church near your area. So I'll let Peter further introduce Clive Bauscher today. Absolutely. We have... Dr. Clive Bauscher, who is provost, I think newly appointed or relatively newly appointed provost of Union School of Theology, where he teaches and researches New Testament and biblical theology, which makes sense for this book. Previously, he served as lead minister of a local church and co-mentored Union's learning community in Oxford, United Kingdom. He has held positions at the universities of Oxford, Cambridge, Edinburgh, and Bristol. It is a pleasure having you on the show, Dr. Bauscher. Thank you both. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Peter. It's uh, it's brilliant to be with you. Of Thanks course, yeah. This, this will be fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. So, for our for our audience, kind of a kind of a preliminary get to know you question for those who see this name is like, okay, let's let's get to know this guy a little bit. So, let our listeners know maybe a little bit more in depth about yourself, your background, and your work. Okay, um, I'm married to Shashton. We've been married just over twenty five years. Uh, the decades go quicker that's, than you think they might. That's right. Uh, we've got we've got one son, Alistair, um, who's 12. He's our only child. Um, bit about my background. I used to be a mathematical scientist huh. um, before I was called into ministry. Um, and then sort of started again and went uh, went to seminary. And yeah, I was a, a, a local church pastor. For a while and mm -hmm. then called to serve at uh, union school of theology as you said as as provost we say provost here in the uk i think i prefer provost that's got a better provost okay <laughs> um and different I've syllables been, i've been i've been at union for about 18 months okay awesome yeah curious because you you just brought it up before next question what what kind of math did you do what kind of math did you uh research so the, the, the math was sort of probabilistic. So it was statistical and dynamic and, uh, yeah, to do with networks and that sort of stuff. So um, did some research in financial markets and some in mathematical oh. biology using similar kinds of mathematics. That feels like a long time ago now. But, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you, I'm, I'm assuming you have not touched it since you left it and went into the ministry. That's true. <laughs> gotcha. okay. And pro probably if you asked me to kind of explain it now, that would take me a little while to get my <laughs> head in that space, I think. But yeah. Gotcha. It's cool to yeah, see. I was I was in the fitness industry before going into ministry. So it's cool to see okay. other people who had kind of quote unquote real 
people jobs before ministry work. Yeah. 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 And I think I'm glad I did that actually, that I worked yeah. in a different setting. I think yeah, same here. Totally. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's all it's always uh interesting to learn too how even if it seems very separate from like theology, how you can use your old jobs uh like fitness or or math uh yeah. and help you with your theological learning. Have you ever yeah. had those uh times? Did it cross over at all ever? I mean, not like, oh, how I did a math problem is how I do theology, but like maybe some of the some of the yeah, way you no, learned or anything like that. Not really. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it doesn't transfer too well for preaching because you want it to be very narratival. Right? <laughs> That's you true. Want illustrations, you want yeah. some poetic language. So, so maybe he taught you what not feel to do. like I'm preaching. drawing on my math brain when I yeah. preach. Yeah, yeah. Not, not much. But with theology, how does it help? I think the precision can help, mm-hmm. you know? <clears throat> Just, just to pay really close attention to stuff and make sure that the logic really hangs together. Mm, that's good. I like it. Yeah, and f- following through until you get an answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it could also be the opposite, where like you were, um, you may have been yeah so academically or kind of logically inclined to where you forget about the overarching arc of the like the narrative of scripture. So you kind of have to not relegate that, but it's okay. This is how I approach math and I have to approach this maybe in a, in a larger sense than what I did before, which kind of, it's not directly comparable, but within fitness, I had to learn really quickly how to be um, personable with individual people and groups, which, which helped me in theology. Um, but other stuff was, was not as helpful for theology <laughs> or pastoral ministry. Cause you could talk to clients in a way that you cannot talk to members of your church. I, I bet you had an easier time reading the measurements of how to build Noah's Ark, though, too. Oh, this <laughs> is, and all to those measurements, and it starts getting true. lost in my brain. And you're like, "Yep, yeah. I'm right on par. I, I understand what those cubit measurements are, and all those things." Um. So yeah, let's go right into my first question about the book, um, life, life in the sun here. So uh, as you describe in the introduction of your book, while there's been many treatments of the union with Christ in the Pauline letters, understandably, or in the Bible more generally, there hasn't been a lot of uh, the same look in the Gospel of John and his Johenian letters. What brought you to this topic and writing this book? Yeah, so that's true, I think. Probably... Most of what you might have read about union with Christ is focusing on Pauline material. Yeah. Um, oddly, I, I I kind of came at it that way because I was reading a book by uh, by Gaffin called um, I think it's called Resurrection and Redemption yep. or something like that. One of his big yeah famous Christ works. Book. Yeah. And um, I love that book. I I found that a real eye opener. And I thought, oh, I wonder how similar ideas might be going on in in John's writing. Mm-hmm. And that was that was kind of how I came to start to look at participation with Christ in John's writings. And then as I read through the Gospel of John, I kept coming across this in one another language, you know, where Jesus says, uh, in that day, you'll know that I, Jesus, am in the Father and that I'm in you and you're in me. And I thought, well, you know, that is really striking language. I mean, I'd read it before, but I was 
really focusing in on it. And as I started to do a little bit of bibliographical research, it occurred to me that not many people had actually researched this intensively. Not many people had tried to get to grips with what this language really means. Hmm. I mean, you can hear that and go, oh, yeah, OK, that sounds profound, sure. sounds special, which it is. But, you know, what what does it actually mean? And so I... I focused in on that as the sort of point of departure for this work hmm. when I started. Okay. Yeah, and I think going into my question, this bridge as well, <clears throat> um, it's it can be what maybe easier in a sense to anchor these doctrines, oneness, part participation with with the Son in the epistles, and especially so in Paul, because they like they're so you can, I mean, you guys like doctrinally or didactically focused, like they're, they're clear, I guess you can say on this. Uh, but how am I focusing on what you just said, like gospel narratives where it's not propounding, Hey, this is what we believe. This is what we believe. This is what you should believe, but it's within the narrative of something surrounding Jesus ground, our participation in union in the saints. So what, what passages, because you focus on a few chapters, a few passages uh, more particularly. So, and how might they help us kind of within this narratival scheme of, of the Gospels help us read our union with Christ as a whole throughout? Hey, wow, that was a long question. That was like a paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you give me a lot to, re to remember there. Okay, let's unpack that a little bit. I think I think what you said about, about the epistles, and I guess you think about the Pauline epistles in yeah. particular, that, that's kind of partly true in that it, the, the language of union with Christ, the language of being in Christ or dying with Christ and being raised with Christ kind of leaps out at you. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's all over the place. But but even there, you know, there are questions about what what does it really mean? Okay. Um, s s I guess in John, maybe it doesn't leap out quite as much. But if you... If, if you look at particular parts of John's gospel, yeah. actually, there's a lot of that kind of language. So yeah. like John 6 and the bread mm -hmm. of life, mm -hmm. discourses, there's a lot of it there. Um, there's a lot in the farewell discourse as well. Yep. Um, chapters 13 through through 17. Yep. Yep. So to begin with, at least, the, the book focuses on those sections in particular. Um, but then when you go to... to you call it First John, don't you, in North America? We <laughs> do, yeah. They mm. call it One John over here, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's more literal, what yeah. it says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you go to First John, and, I mean, maybe it doesn't quite leap off the page quite mm. so much. You have to get a little bit further through the letter. Mm. But but towards the, well, just after the middle of the letter, I suppose, and and kind of in what I would think of as the climax you get that mutual abiding, mm -hmm. God, God, God remaining in the individual and the individual in God, yep. you know, sort of rapid fire several times. And I, I think actually that that that's one of John's main things that he's trying to get across in in, in First John as well. So, yeah, this this uh, this in one another relationship, this 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 mutual remaining. I think is 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 central to to Johannine theology. 
Yeah. And before before Nick goes, and maybe for our audience too, and for for me as well, um, is there a difference between kind of you can like mutual indwelling or oneness with Christ and union with Christ? Because I think sometimes in our, in our brains we can think, okay, union, I'm with him, but like maybe he's less in me, but then he and me, and I and him, just as he's in the Father and the Father. Is there is there a difference in that? Okay, okay so union with Christ, I guess, is a a systematic theology term, isn't it? And, and so, first of all, I ask, well, what is union with Christ in the Johannine writings? What yeah. is union with Christ in the fourth gospel? What is it in first John? And I wanted to use a, a language and a sort of concept that is actually there in, in John's writings. Yeah. And, and that concept is oneness. So, you know, J Jesus says um at least a couple of times in in john's gospel i and the father are one mm -hmm. yeah and and so it sort of occurred to me that the the right concept for thinking about union in john's writings is oneness gotcha um it, it, because not only does does oneness describe the relationship of the father and the son in the trinity mm -hmm. it it's the same kind of language that Jesus is using to describe our relationship with him. Yeah. So oneness of the father and the son, Jesus not only says, I and the father are one. He also says, um, I, the son, am in the father and the father is in me. Yep. That, that's kind of like what oneness means mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. gospel. It's, that, it, it's equivalent to that in one another relationship. But then he sort of blows you away by saying, actually, you enjoy the same kind of in one another relationship with me. Yeah. And it's that relational oneness that is union with Christ. And, and union sounds like that, right? You know, it's a, it, it's a making one. Mm -hmm. And so the question is in what sense one, mm -hmm. and it is relationally, it's a, a, a oneness of fellowship, you might say of, of, of communion that sort of thing. Got it. That's helpful. That's amazing that we're even invited yeah. to that relationship. We enjoy that same relationship with right. the with the son as the son has with the father. Yeah. And if and then therefore we have the relationship, relationship with the father as the son has with the father. Mind blowing because there's no way we deserve that. <laughs> as fallen or creatures. Or I think sometimes like Christians think um yeah we have a relationship with with jesus but it's not really the same or it's derived from what he has with the father like we don't enjoy everything that he has and i think maybe they don't say that but maybe practically speaking some of their doctrinal formulation comes out with that where um that's a special relationship that we really have no access to we're just kind of grafted in on the side with right. with christ versus no we have precisely the same relationship as the son has with the father, we have with the father and the son. But important to know too, that we'll never be God. We'll never yeah. be. Right. Right. So yeah. Yeah. yeah right. So I think I'd say we're, we're invited relationally in to share the life of the Trinity. Hmm. Yeah. And, and union. Yeah. There's also, there is something different about the son's relationship with the father. And, and, and mm -hmm. that is the, they 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 share the identity of yeah. of the God of Israel, right? Yeah. They they share the identity of Yahweh. Yeah. 
So, yep. so we're, we're, we're not becoming divine. We're not no. becoming God, but I know that's not what you meant. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, but yeah, we, 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 we're loved in the same way that the father loves the son. That's a better way of putting it. That's great. That's and awesome. That, yeah. that, that is amazing. Cause yeah. I mean, there's no question of accept uh, of a lack of acceptance. You know, there's, there's no question of a lack of permanence. Yeah, um, or degrees of love right. um, dissimilar, where there is a perfect degree of love, but maybe a lesser perfect degree of love between us right. and the sun. Well, and something as like a old pastor I had is we get Jesus's resume. It's not our resume we're giving because it's not our merits. It's 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 grace. So when God the Father looks at us through the gospel, through the covenant of grace, he's seeing christ his son's record because we um are you know he fulfilled the law for us essentially and you know the, the word union is derivative of united so right. yeah you were united to that fellowship with god and um you know we like defining terms on our show too and usually it's like one of the first question or two we kind of left it to this point because uh we want to create some extra groundwork going into defining terms so there's both terms oneness and union and i know you just kind of answered part of it so apologize there's a little bit of repetitiveness to so uh there's terms oneness slash union and participation um so bears asking how does the bible define or utilize both terms in relation to us and the triune godhead through the son jesus how how does scripture define union how does it define yeah and then you have a you have a longer mm -hmm. definition i think of oneness or participation if you want to share that as yeah. well with the audience yes yeah, so, so it, it it defines in john at least union um in in, in terms of oneness and 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 it's a a relational oneness Part participation, um, that that word, uh, if you want to translate that into into Koine Greek, does does appear in one John. So that that's Koinonia, and that's a, a kind of participation. Yeah. What what what's most interesting about Koinonia in in one John is that it is clearly a relational participation, hmm. and um, it, it is to do with knowing God. That, that's really clear from the first couple of chapters in the letter. But then he, he sort of, the writer um, goes deeper and says, well, well, what kind of relational participation is it? And, and the answer he gives is, well, it, it's in one another relationship. It's, it's in one another participation, if you like. It, it, it's God in you and, and you in God. So, so in that sense, um, the the Johannine literature does give a give a sort of definition of participation. Hmm. Although in, in in New Testament studies, participation is kind of a, a broader thing, and there's lots we could say there. But yeah, yeah, because I was I think just really really simply, if you hear participation, you want to be thinking sharing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. a, a participation is a sharing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think and, yeah. Keep going. Sorry. 
you know, and, and um, one of the things that really comes out of the book is that it's this it's this relational sharing with Christ that is that is right at the heart of the gospel. And yeah. so, so going back, um, Nick, to something you said just just a little bit ago. It, it, it's not only that our union with Christ um, has sort of forensic implications, right, that, that we are now fully right with God. It's it, it's also that that God, the father delights in this this kind of fellowship and relationship with us. Indeed, that's what he saved us for. You know, mm -hmm. he, he saved us out of condemnation, but just astonishingly into this kind of love, this kind of fellowship, this kind of relationship. And that's, yeah, I, that's just beautiful, I think. As you probably know, we talk a lot about Westminster Seminary, California on here. I can't even begin to tell you the impact this institution has had on my faith, my family, and the ministry the Lord has entrusted me with. If you feel called to serve the church and want the most rigorous training for gospel ministry around, consider coming to Westminster Seminary, California, a confessionally reformed institution in sunny San Diego that offers master's degrees in biblical and theological studies, historical theology, and divinity. Westminster's approach to ministry education emphasizes a mastery of the original biblical languages, maintaining a small student-to-professor ratio, a laser focus on face-to-face -face education coupled with an understanding of the importance of having pastor scholars with decades of ministry experience train the next generation of servant leaders for the Church of Jesus Christ. If this interests you, and I hope it does, call Westminster today at 888-480-8474 to talk to admissions counselor or visit www.wscal.edu. Again, call Westminster Seminary California today at 888-480-8474 or log on to www.wscal.edu, which will all be available in our show notes. Westminster Seminary California for Christ, his gospel, and his church. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's a, it's a way of understanding this that I think is a little lost in some of the circles, at least in American evangelicalism, where very often I hear, maybe you've heard this before, like, oh, Christ died for your sins. And it just, it's, it's stuck there. There's no, now you have a relationship with the Father, now you have perfect righteousness, where it's so often, hey, Christ died for my sins, and now I'm good. And now I'm like, but if you think about it, like you just said, if your sins are forgiven, that's great. Like you're neutral now. But there's no, there's no delight. It's almost like, okay, God got you to that point, and now, like, what are you going to do with it? It's, mm -hmm. it's he is it's like maybe it's maybe it was a kind of grudging sort of forgiveness. Exactly, and, yeah. And, and he doesn't really want me that close. Yeah. Well, yeah. what he actually wants is he did just he, enough to get me to this point, but not a, not more than that. Right. But what what he actually yeah. wants is 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 this sort of relational oneness with me. Mm hmm. Where Jesus says, you know, in that day, following my resurrection, so this is John 14, mm -hmm. uh, you'll know mm -hmm. that I'm in my father, but you'll also know that I'm in I'm in you and you're in me. And yeah. there's this there's this this kind of oneness with him. So, you know, if I get up on a Monday morning 
and I'm not looking forward to the week. Yeah. Sometimes I will literally do this. I will remind myself, you know, Christ is pleased. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Christ is pleased to, to kind of have brought me into this oneness with him. And, I, and I'm there, I'm, I'm in the vine and it's not a mistake. And I belong there because he said so, as a branch does in a tree. You know, hence the uh, hence the cover on the book. <laughs> oh right. yeah, that's yeah, true. totally. Yeah, that's and it's uh, yeah. I love how you yeah. build off of these. It's not just he doesn't just start with oneness in John fourteen. He builds off of it in John five with kind of the, the Sabbath and uh, God work on the Sabbath. So the sun works on the Sabbath. John six, he moves on in John thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. So it's not just he says it once without background, he he kind of builds into this and it's, yeah. it's broader than I think a lot of Christians and like what you talk about your book, it's broader than just your oneness with God kind of out of context. It's, it brings all this relational benefit with it outside mm -hmm. of just I'm with God. Cause I think again, some Christians are like, well, that's kind of boring. Um, heaven just being with God, Christians think it's boring, but yeah, there's, there's bigger, broader implications and benefits to this. It's not just, okay, theoretically I'm one with God. But no, that that means I have the benefits of being one with God along with that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, like, so, I, I get I get it. to know him, right? I get yeah. I get to know him, and and I get to be known, which I think I think is pretty pretty big stuff. You know, I yeah. God knows me fully, and He loves me this way. You know, He He loves me as He loves the Son. Mm -hmm. um, Whereas, yeah. you know, I might think knowing me fully would be likely to put him off. <laughs> exactly. If, if he knew me fully, then he would not want me fully. But that mm -hmm. is not what he yeah. says. And real quick, too, I think something Peter said earlier, this, it's so true. Like with uh, American evangelicalism, basic Sunday school stuff where it's very true. Jesus died on the cross, died for your sins. Absolutely. But it doesn't just stop there. It's don't don't stop just at the cross. It's about, you know his resurrection, uh, getting us into the right relationship with him through justification and the right relationship with God, our creator, because of his resurrection and who God is. And, and his Jesus ascension is. and seating at the right hand of God. Yes. There's so much more that we forget that, that, um, substantiates and shows us the fullness of this oneness. Yes. Yes. The beginning. It didn't just, he didn't just, the end of the story isn't just, he died on the cross for his sins and then your record's good. It's like, there used to be, we are also brought into heaven based on his resurrection and like guilt, grace, gratitude, our podcast name, summing up the Heidelberg catechism. It doesn't just stop at grace. It doesn't go guilt, grace. There is the gratitude part too. Yeah. Yep. And there's the, the life part, right? You know, I've come that they may have life. Yeah. Life and, in the sun. Yep. And have it mm -hmm. and have it abundantly. So I sometimes talk about, you know, that there's salvation from, there's what yep. you've been saved out of, there's what you've been saved from. Yep. But there's also salvation for. Yeah, exactly. Yep. What 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 has God saved you for? Well, he 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 saved you for life. Um, and 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 this is what it this is what it looks like. You know, this is the essence of the life of the age to come. Um that you know me in this way, that you, you you share this oneness with me, this 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 closeness, this this intimacy of of love, you know, this sort of song of songs 
love. Yeah, Amen. totally. Yeah. Um, and I, I do want to bring it out because you, you talk about, you have actually a, a pretty lengthy part of your book that talks about this. And if, if people know this part of one John, as you guys say, um, across the pond right. or first John, as we say in the right way. Um, I actually but... prefer first John. I, th- I think <laughs> it, it sounds better. Awesome. So we, yeah, that's, uh, we, we Americans like being right all the time. Um, <laughs> there's there's a there's a thorny section in the epistles oh, of john uh, right. so when a reader is confronted by the perfection passage in first john 3 i think they'll look at union okay so union means i gotta i gotta keep working like i gotta i gotta keep going at this perfection stuff i gotta i gotta kind of take away all this stuff if i ever have a, a sinful desire my union with christ is now broken because this passage tells me that if I sin, that I'm I'm no longer in union with Christ, or maybe they kind of derive from it. Um, so you deal with this in relation to our union with Christ. So can you help guide our listeners through this who are struggling? Okay, I like I get I'm in union, I have life from and towards and in the sun, and yet I still have these sinful desires. And it sure seems like this passage says you cannot have those desires. Okay, so so maybe a verse like first John. See, I'm learning. First John three three verse six exactly yep uh, this is the ESV no one who abides in him remains in him actually I mean they've translated here keeps on sinning yep. but I mean mm-hmm. a, a more straightforward translation would be just sins exactly no, yep. no one who remains in sin him, or whatever it sin. is yeah uh, no one who sins has either seen him or known him um. Yeah, that's pretty challenging. Yeah, so what do we do if we're like, yeah, we got union, but man, I keep sinning. Right. And yet, you know, earlier on, um, John says, doesn't he, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not (laughs) in us. Kind of seems like he's contradicting himself at like a surface level. I've had this exact same, after reading that, I've had this exact same question to my pastor as well. Yeah. Just to kind of clarify it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let, let's kind of uh, untangle this a little bit. Yeah, please do. Yeah. <laughs> um, first comment, I think First John as a letter is a lot more um, aimed at exhorting his readers than we often think. Hmm. So as you, as you read all the way through, um, if you kind of read attentively, sorry, attentively, um, you can see that he is trying to exhort them to um, to love one another more, to um, that kind of life, shared life as a fellowship, which is only possible as the children of God. And I think that goes unnoticed, is the first comment. Hmm. Yeah. Um, why very black and white verses um like uh chapter three verse six there that's the question isn't it yeah john is not saying that um those who are united with christ will be perfect in this world he's categorically not saying that yeah and and we know that from the opening chapter yeah otherwise he's being inconsistent and and this is scripture So that can't be what is going on here. Yep. So what is going on? Question mark. And I think what is going on 
is that he is describing something that is a sort of um, black gray contrast, yeah, as a black and white contrast. So, you know, um, you and me, um, if we're trusting Jesus for ourselves and we're in this kind of relationship of love with him, we're, we're in, you know, different areas of our lives somewhere on that gray spectrum. We're not completely like him, but really importantly, we we are not like people who have not been born again from above either. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we are we are not in the black, yeah. And right. you, you can sort of see that 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 is the kind of logic he has here, because in chapter three, verse ten, he says, "By this it's evident who are the children of God." Yeah. In other words, in the here and now, there is something that you can actually see about those who have been born again you can see who are the children of god and who are the children of the devil um not not maybe just by sampling you know on some particular day and looking from afar but but if you know someone's life um whoever does not practice righteousness is not of god nor is the one who does not love his brother but again he's not talking about a in reality, a black-white contrast. He's talking about something that is black-gray. So then the question is, um, why does he talk in black and white terms? Yeah. And and I think I think it's a little bit like this. He's he's saying um in a sort of exhorting way, this is the way things are in the family of God. You know, th- this is this is what does characterize us perfectly. No. But but this is what should characterize us and, and partially does. So go be more like that. Hmm. That makes sense? Yeah. This is this is what you have in Christ, although you may not display it at all times, is what you have so that you you can right. display this. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Oh, okay. I like that. Okay. I like so that. is it how uh, so it's really well, there it's, for the, the grammat sorry, um Nick, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I'm, I apologize. Uh, I was just going to try to follow up and, and I'm digesting yeah. that. And I'm thinking, is that really there more for our assurance, knowing that he's explaining that God the Father knows that we sin, obviously, as bef- because we're still. Uh, and on he this says side at the end heaven. of the epistle, those who say they have no sin have not been born yeah. of God. So, but, but because we're in Christ as saved people, he sees us as in Christ, not as in Adam. So he's not seeing us um, uh, based on uh, your merit and and you're trying to fulfill the law yourself. He's seeing us based on Christ's record because we're in Christ. So we get what Christ, we inherit what Christ has done. Is that correct? Yeah, I think this, the, there's definitely an identity thing here going yeah. on. Yeah. You know, you are you're 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 in Christ and Christ is in you. Um and that means you are different already, crucially, and you and you can live differently. And actually you know that, don't you? Because like when you look back, can you not see how how God has changed you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Are, are, are oh, yeah. you fully there yet? No. But like in reminding you of this, doesn't that make you want to be more like him? Mm-hmm. Because everyone who has this hope in himself purifies himself. He says somewhere mm. in chapter three, I think. 
Anne will be like him when he appears. Again, he says that somewhere mm -hmm. in chat. Sorry, forgive the lack of verse. <laughs> no, it's um, yeah. This is a, it's, a, that, it's a huge let's, issue in in, in let's John. Let's find yeah. that. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, what, while you while you look for yeah for for our listeners, okay. Because um, I I think they they have um. Both both Nick and I have thought about this, and I'm sure this is something that a lot of Christians think. Where yeah, if I'm in union and 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 are these passages. And I think you talk about this in your book. Are these passages like maybe can you categorize them as these are warning passages or are they um what would you yeah, say? No, like are are they more like okay, this is this is this is for lack of a better term, these are more assurance passages or more warning passages? I, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think they're warning passages so much as yes, assuring and exhorting at the same time okay. yeah yeah so he's not he's not like trying to make you question your um, no, son status I, no i don't think these are tests okay as such. i think that's how a lot of christians view this is maybe yeah. a little bit on the testing side yeah and you hear it preached that way sometimes don't you but i i think that sort of goes against what we can see the author's trying to achieve overall Okay. Um, those verses that I was just reading were chapter three or quoting chapter three, um, verses two and three. Beloved, we are God's children now. Mm -hmm. You see, that's assuring, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Beloved, we are God's children now. Already. Before he even gets to the quote unquote warning passage, if you want to yeah. call it that, he he grounds you in in God's status. In yeah, God's that's children. just like three, four verses earlier, isn't it? From uh, away from three, six. Uh, what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that's yeah. assured that when he appears, we will be like him uh, because we'll see him as he mm. is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself, mm. which implies you're not yet fully pure. Totally. Yep. As he is pure. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. We're not. Yeah, so not, not warning, um, but assuring yeah. and exhorting and so he says in um chapter five oh can i find this yeah while you find it yeah so it's for our listeners to summarize sorry um, chapter five verse 13 i managed to it. get look at this time i write these things to you who believe in the name of, of the son of god that you may know that you have life yeah and you can't yeah. you can't get much more assured than that Quick little plug for our own podcast here. If you are an individual and you want to help donate for this work, you can go to our show notes, to our Patreon page, as well as our Spotify donations page. If you want to make a recurring donations, they're either $15 or $20 a month or a single donation. You can also do that as well. Those really help us on the back end to give to this work, to keep up our website, to make sure we can pay those who help with our editing, with our software, with our merchandising, all, all those good things. If you're a potential sponsor and you want to sponsor us and, and fill out one of our ads, you can email us at guiltgracepod at gmail.com and we can talk through some of the options that we have. And we would love to work with both individuals and publishers, institutions, seminaries, whoever it may be, as we all work towards our mission of bridging the gap to reform Christian theology.
yep, help expand our work and be a bridge builder. No, yeah, and that's that's really helpful to to ground this in, yeah, that, that our 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 knowledge, not just knowledge, kind of theoretical, but our our knowing that we are in the sign. So when you look at these passages, he's not testing whether or not you're in the sun. It's this is an exhortation for those who are in the sun. That's right. And and sort of exhortation grounded in what it means to be a child of God. Gotcha. What it okay. means to be in Christ. Yeah, you that's know, helpful. This, yeah. This, this, yeah. This is what he's like. Therefore, you know, you already see this in yourself to some extent. So be like it more because that day's coming. Yeah, it's maybe a little like kind of the new man, old man in Romans 6, where mm-hmm. Paul is saying you like put off the old man, take on the new man. And he's talking to, from what we know, Christians. So he's not saying, okay, you Christians, like, take off the old man as if that's like kind of your job. And now this is, you have this test now to know if you have more old man in you or new man in you. It's like, no, you have, you have the new man in you, but you still right. have the old man in you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's kind it's- of similar to that, I think process of sanctification yeah for sure there's, um, a, there's a grammatical thing going on here as yeah. well yeah which is that this way of talking which is kind of i don't know if i'm allowed to say this maybe this is too grammatical this is you know kind of third person singular present tense yeah he it, is she is, way, it is yeah yeah it, it is a way of saying um you know kind of this is how things are here yeah uh, but but kind of meaning this is how they should be. So so there's another example of that. Um, words of Jesus himself in Mark 10. Let me see if I can get the reference where I think it's James and John have been sort of wanting to be great, haven't they? Asking to sit at his right yep. hand. Yep. And Jesus talks about the attitude of, of leaders amongst the Gentiles. Do you know the bit I'm talking about? I I know the reference. Yeah. So this is um, Mark 10, verses 35 to 45. And um, in particular, in Mark 10, verse 43, Jesus says, well, it isn't like this among you. You know, in other words, you you shouldn't be Mm. seeking to to, um, get one up (laughs) over each other. Yeah, yeah. What I mean. Um, to be superior to each other in that way. But of course, actually, at that point of time, it is like that among them because that's exactly what uh, they're doing. Uh, okay, so that, that, that's helpful. That, yeah. That that use of it is yep. doesn't always mean I'm describing how it is. It can be an exhorting thing. Gotcha. And okay. that that is what is going on in... Gotcha. Okay, that's really helpful for... Yeah, for this, for the warning... I mean, again, not, not not saying it's a warning passage, but what people generally think is a warning passage, okay, how can I possibly be united to Christ, uh, one with the Son, as the Son is with the Father, if I'm still sinning, and First John 3 says, if you are in the Son, then you don't sin. So I think they, they have a hard time when they see First John 5, and they say, um, he who says he has no sin is a liar, they're trying to like make all this stuff work and like how do I view this? And I think that's that's an extremely helpful way of not like trying to fit these things, but like saying, okay, what is John trying to do in this passage in relationship with everything else that he's written as well to to those who are in the sun? Yeah. Yeah. And that it's it's going back to assurance too, because it's just as if his justification, just as if you already are it's 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 um 
it's going to happen that you're going to, if you're justified, you are for sure going to go to heaven and be glorified. And in that state, we'll be in perfect state and we won't be seeing in Christ. We'll see each other for who we are. That's as God sees Christ. He sees us too. And, uh, and even though we're on this side of heaven in life, we still sin, but we're going, we've already been justified and we haven't crossed the finish line yet. And we still sin right now, but, we for sure will be glorified. Yeah. So, um, so we'll, oh, move on to the next question. Uh, you've got a, a fascinating chapter on covenant and eschatology in John, as it bears in our union with Christ. Our assumption is uh, most listening and those who will read your book don't generally associate eschatology to union, um, but you do. So maybe you could help us explain what. Uh, eschatology that term too is in this context can you guide our listeners to this intersection uh in theology okay so eschatology is uh the study of the last things um you might say therefore it's it's the study of the life of the age to come mm-hmm. <laughs> but what you see in in John's gospel, and I think all the way through the New Testament, actually, is that 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 life of the age to come is is already breaking in yep. and already happening. Right. Yep. So you might say that's kingdom life. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yep. And one of the things that's really sort of fascinating um, to me, at least, that came out of this work. Yep is 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 that john um talks about the life of the age to come as being sort of equivalent to this oneness with christ hmm. yes yeah? so so the 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 aspect of the life of the age to come that he continually sort of foregrounds mm-hmm. is our union with christ and it's as if he's saying do you want to know what heaven is going to be all about? Do you want to know what true life is all about? Well, it, it's about this kind of knowing of Jesus. It's about this kind of in one another relationship with him. Um, it, it's about this kind of oneness with him. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that's important pastorally. Yeah, totally. So that that I mean, you, you you see it there right on the surface of of the text in the gospel in John seventeen verse three. Do you want do you want to read that to us, John seventeen verse three, maybe? Yeah, I'll get that up right now. We have John seventeen three, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Right. So you know, there's there's this this equation there of eternal life. That is the life of the age to come, um, and 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 knowing God, mm-hmm. and knowing Christ, and and that knowing is that that in one another knowing, that in one another relationship. And okay, so you see that verse, and you think, well, okay, he might be saying they're the same thing. Um, and and then when you go and dig deeper, it turns out he he keeps on saying, actually, mm-hmm. they're the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for example, you see that really clearly in John six, mm-hmm. um, and that is really striking. 
that is really striking. Yeah, yeah. So you just talked about the kind of the pastoral, um, you can say kind of Christian life implications of this. We, we've been kind of touched on this topic as well. And and you make the yeah. point throughout your book, and it's not just union. And, and like I said, it's not just kind of us grafted onto the side of of uh, of oneness and, and we just kind of ride along and, and nothing really happens with us, but it actually helps ground our Christian walk. It helps ground um, who we are in, in our everyday life, not just on Sundays, but Sunday yeah. through Sunday, it, 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 it goes through everything, but how does, how does this help us knowing that we're not just kind of grafted on the side, which we, we sometimes think, um, but we're inserted into all the joys and the benefits of this relationship between the triune Godhead. I, I've re- written another book actually. <laughs> which is called one being united to jesus changes everything and that's coming out with union publishing in september and it explores you know what are the sort of practical implications of this and you know i think it's got it's got implications for all all the different areas of the christian life so what what does it mean to pray uh what what does it mean to worship um how does it change what our take might be on obedience mm-hmm. um what what is heaven going to be like and what is it that you're looking forward to and i suppose just to summarize the sort of common thread through all of that is that mm-hmm. i i kind of have this conviction that certainly here in the uk and i don't know maybe in the us as well you can tell me mm-hmm. that there's maybe an emphasis to sorry there's maybe a, a habit of de-emphasizing that the deeply relational aspect of the christian life you know communion with god um there's a habit of of really kind of focusing on what we've been saved from yeah and and not what we've been saved for and saved into, and actually what God wants us to enjoy um, and, and delight in as, as he delights in us. So, so, so what does it change? For me, I think it changes what it's like to sit down, um, you know, kind of early in the morning on a Wednesday morning and pray, because it, it changes my view of, of what God is like, you know, it, it sort of helps me to to remember that he is Trinity and that he is love. Yeah. Um, but also that that, you know, he kind of pours out that same love on me in the vine, if you like. And. And what he's wanting from me is not something transactional. You know, he, he he's wanting something deeply relational from me. Mm-hmm. And actually, when you, when you, when that really, you know, when we let that really sink in, that that is profound. You know, God, God wants me to relate to Him as my Father. Kind of yeah. learning to do it in the same sort of way that Jesus did that when He was here on Earth. Yeah, and and He actually wants that. You know, yeah. he, he kind of invites me to to commune with him in that way. And and that's what 
prayer should be about. That's what song worship should be about. Yeah. yeah. That that's that's great to bring up because when the disciples asked Jesus, How do we pray? He says, Pray this way, our father. He didn't say uh he said he addresses like he said, he's the your Lord father too. This is what we want. Right. This is what we want. He's your father, father too. He's your father right. too. And that's how Christ prays, our father. So yeah, because if I had to guess, yeah, this is very broadly painted brush, but maybe even American evangelicalism. They'll talk about what we're saved from, but it's less so our sin or the Father's condemnation over us because of our sin. It's more so like kind of not the greatest life. It's um, uh, things aren't going well and relationships are broken and your life is kind of broken. Less so in relationship with God, but more so kind of interrelationally. Um, and we're saved towards, and it's a little bit more on the... Um, when you're talking about the relational stuff, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's horizontal. I think it's, it's base horizontal, but I think it's inverted vertically. So it's a little bit more, um, church tends to have the emphasis on like, Hey, here's the steps you can take to increase your relationship with, with God less. Mm -hmm. So here's what God has done to have a relationship with you. I think, I think in general, I think American evangelicalism flips that, um, Right. And I think this union is really helpful for Christians. Yeah, that helps us. Yeah, it, it's not, it's not, Um. okay, here's here's seven steps to a better prayer life so you can commune with God better. So you actually, you you have that communion with God. He's He's right. opened that with you and you, right. you get to experience that. It's not, it's not on you to open that communion. Right, absolutely. But I think, yeah. I think it's very helpful for that. I got a quick uh, two-parter uh, last question. It's super simple, I promise. Um, It's like, uh, so before people read your book, would you say a good prerequisite would we obviously open up the Bible and read the Gospel <laughs> of John, first, second, and third John? Would you say that that would be just a fantastic prerequisite before you grab your book, get familiar with the Gospel of John, go through first, second, one, two, and three? Read it in Greek a couple times through and <laughs> diagram all the sentences. No, just, just I, yeah. I mean, if someone were really pushed for time, you know, read. Um, John 6 and John 13 to 17 and 1 John. Okay. Uh, again, maybe. Or even maybe for the first time. Right. Know. And and my second part of that is uh, basic question, but I know some lay people and maybe even non-Christians would be asking this, is they we know that uh, John wrote Revelation. How come Revelation isn't included into this? Right. Um, there's an appendix in the book mm-hmm. on Revelation. Okay. Um, you you don't get any of that you and me, me and you language in Revelation. It's just yeah. it's just there. Okay. Um, so that is why I don't talk about Revelation a lot in uh, the the book of Revelation. That is a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in, in the NSBT volume, but there is there's quite a lot on participation with with Christ in Revelation. Um sharing in his sonship, uh, sharing in his victory, um, sharing in his mission as the people who follow him um, are also faithful witnesses. So there's, there's, there's lots of, yeah, lots of participation, which we've said is, is, is that sharing. Mm, okay. Cool. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Dr. Bowser, is there any parting words or 
on your end, like John does, an exhortation for our, for our <laughs> audience uh, to either read this book or to, to learn from this and just some, some, the, the Dr. Bauscher last words. Oh, um, yeah, please do read it. Um, it was a lot of fun to do this work and yeah, maybe just to say, I, th I think working on this changed me a lot. It changed my devotional life hmm. and it made me realize how, how astonishing the, the sort of intimacy is that, that, that God desires with us um mm. and, and and that we can know in in worship in prayer um and that you know when when we go to glory that is going to be you know blown up even bigger yeah. um yeah. so yeah it's an amazing awesome. hope and and sort of to to get ready for that by by entering into this now and and going deeper into that fellowship that's yeah. great well, Dr. Bauscher, thank you so much for writing this, for your work, um, for the book that's coming out pretty soon. So I encourage people yeah. to buy this one as it comes out, because I think it's already come out in the UK and it comes yeah. out in the US the week we publish this. So people, by the time this is published, you can buy the book. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on to talk about oneness with Christ, participation with Christ, the gospel of John, epistles of John. It's, this has been a pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure for me too. Thanks so much for the invite. Of course. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this week's book club episode where we spotlight a specific book from a publisher and an author that both Nick and I really enjoy. We don't always agree with everything that the author uh, or the book comes about, but what they do share with us is love for Christ and his gospel from whatever tradition they come from, whatever creedal tradition they come from or confessional tradition. Uh, we all do share the same broader ecumenical Christian faith from different backgrounds, ethnicities, and, and denominations. Uh, we, we hope that these introduce books that you might not have heard of before, authors that you might not have heard of before. Um, I've been uh, really helped by learning about some of these. If you want to go to our show notes, find a link to the publisher. That helps them out a ton. A link to the author's page, to the book, to purchase it from the publisher themselves. It really helps them um, expose their work uh, through the publisher themselves. Yeah, and the value that we're bringing with these book clubs is you guys can really rely on us because as we all know, it takes a lot of time and effort to stay on top of all the books that are coming out and know which ones are probably good to look into, be recommended to read, look out for. And so these uh, these episodes are to whet your palate. You can We have already know that we're going to recommend this book, but you can um, listen to the episode yourself, get a little more understanding of the book and the author, and then go from there. Yeah. So if you want to find these books and uh, and purchase one for yourself, purchase one for friends or family, and also too, if you can find us on Apple, Spotify, any podcast catcher, rate and review us. That's that's how we're that's how we're best known. It's how we kind of make ourselves known. Uh, introduce these to a friend and and maybe just build your bookcase, build your reading, uh, read broader and and read really well, all under the umbrella of our creedal faith under Jesus Christ.